welcome back to the Wade In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. This is episode 104. I'm your host, Alex Steen. On the line, as always, David Maricatani. How you doing, David? I'm good, my brother. It's Friday afternoon, 5 o'clock. It's happy hour somewhere, right? It's happy hour, and it's officially wrestling season. That's right. Yes. Division one season started. Watched some wrestling last night and a bunch going on this weekend for sure. Yeah, I watched uh, Northern Colorado and West Virginia last night. Um, that was an entertaining duel. Um, Noah Adams might be one of the best 0-1 wrestlers in the country. <laughs> that was a wildly entertaining match. Uh, I think he, he's going to win a lot of matches this year, but I think he's going to drive his coaches a little crazy at times, which he did last night. So, uh, But, yeah, you mentioned it. You know, All-Star Classic tonight. We probably, um, if you're listening to this, you, it's already happened. And then opens all weekend, some good duels. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most? couple of the all-star matches, Mizzou, Illinois is kind of a big duel here in the Midwest. And, you know, just sorting through the, just the uh, pure pleasure of sorting through all the upsets and trying to redo the rankings. That's always the most fun. Yeah. The good news early in the year is you can change the rankings dramatically from week to week and it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, it's just fun to be back to it, get back to the, the routine. So um, you know, just being able to watch wrestling and pull up results and stuff like that, I think for uh nerds like us it's fun. So Absolutely. Someone's gonna take a huge loss this weekend that no one sees coming and I can't wait. It happens every year and everyone freaks out. It's gonna be great. I love it. <laughs> there you go. There you go, my man. And we got these over unders, we've been talking about them. We finally got the our picks in, so that'll be fun to do today. That's right. So for this episode, we're going to go through world championships. Uh, it's a little late, but we never got to talk about the women or Greco. Um, so we're going to go through that. And then we're going to do over-under picks for the top 20 teams from last year's NCAAs. Um, half of them I'll pick and half of them David will pick. And then we'll compare all year long and see who, see who knows wrestling better. I mean, because that's clearly the only definitive way to do it, right? I'm going to say yes to be kind. We'll just go with that. <laughs> go with it. Just go with it. Always say yes. I'm going with it. That's the, yeah. that's the old improv thing. Always say yes. Come uh, on. That's the first rule of sales. Get him the yes. Right. Right. So, oh. There you go. So running back through the world championships, um, we talked about men's freestyle, so we'll skip that. Women's freestyle was the second um, group to go. We had uh, Sarah Hildebrandt finish second with a silver medal. Cara Winchester finished fifth. Um, Helen Marulis was a surprise DNP. We'll talk about that. Uh, Mallory Velti finished with a bronze medal. Forrest Molinari finished fifth. Tamira Mensa got a bronze medal. And Adeline Gray won her fourth world championship gold, joining John Smith, Jordan Burroughs, and Tricia Saunders as the only Americans to have four world championship gold medals. So that was obviously a great thing. Um, let's start there. Gray goes through the bracket. Uh, really had a tough road, beat at May, who's been around forever and is a really good veteran, uh, beat Erica Weeb, who had beaten Adeline earlier this year, and then beat the defending world champion, Yasmin Adar of Turkey, 13-1 to in the final with a great lace. Uh, what was your takeaway, David? I, I think she's just underrated, right? Like, I, we don't talk about her. When you mention the company she is in, we don't, we don't think of her that way. Uh, I also know she's dealt with injuries and to watch her come back. And um, I think women show joy in a much more pure way than men do sometimes. And she was just so genuinely happy. It was just, 
like you don't have to love wrestling. You don't have to love the USA. Like just, it was just cool to watch and just happy for her. You know, you can tell there's a ton of hard work that went into that. And, you know, you, when you see, you know, people that are good human beings and they get rewarded for that. And I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, those are, those are great storylines as guys like you and, and Andy Hamilton would point out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Adeline's always been one to be very, um, very emotional and show her feelings on the mat, especially joy when she wins. It's always good. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, going into 2016, I think a lot of people thought she was joining that group. I mean, we mentioned, you know, she already had three world titles at that point. So you could argue that she should have already been in that group, but a lot of people thought she was going to win the gold medal and kind of vault into that superstardom. But of course had a tough tournament set out last year with the injuries. Um, and now she bounced back. That's always good to see. Um, so obviously in Rio, when she was, you know, when Adeline was struggling, Helen Marillis kind of vaulted into superstardom with the win over the Japanese legend um, in the finals. And then this year, you know, last year we saw her take on the world and just destroy them all. And we, I think we all thought that was going to happen again. At least we did until we realized that she had spent a long time out with a concussion. Um, she revealed after the first round match, which she lost by fall. Um, she was in the match till that point, but she lost by fall, wasn't pulled back into the rep shot. She revealed afterwards that she wouldn't even let her training partners touch her head during training, um, obviously spent a great deal of time trying to figure out if she was going to be healthy enough to compete. Uh, you know, it's impossible to say exactly what happened. Everybody gets beat now and again anyway, but obviously that affects your situation. Um, wh what was your reaction to Helen's results? I think to kind of combine the, the Helen thing with the Adeline thing is, you know, you made a statement like, well, you know, this person won this, we expect them to keep winning. Um, you know, when I was 15, I qualified for a cadet world team in the U.S. boycott because it was when all the narco stuff was going and it was down in uh, Colombia. And I was never good enough to make a team again. And I guess you can argue well, that's my fault. I mean, you know, I guess it is. But I think we, we start, I think we're on the outside and we look at stuff like, oh, so like how many world titles can Dake win or how many world titles can Taylor win or Adeline Gray or, you know, all these people. Like, oh, now Jaden's won one. Instead of like, and I guess that's what we all do is we just push things forward in our minds. But I think it's important, and I think athletes don't do that. I don't think, you know, Kyle Snyder did that. And I think when you do is when you lose, you know, when you put that, you put things ahead of it. So, I mean, I think we need to absolutely just embrace the Helen's Olympic win was off the charts, you know, one for the ages, not only just in terms of who she beat, but what it did for women's wrestling in this country. What a great ambassador she's been. We're, I, the, the most obvious statement of the podcast would be to say we're all rooting for her to get better. But even if she was never able to wrestle again, she's had an unbelievable career and has been an unbelievable person to represent, you know, wrestling and women's wrestling. And I think sometimes people just get so caught up with the future stuff that it's important just to acknowledge the present. That's a great point. I mean, last year, especially, she just, she looked so good and it's so tempting and easy to just expect that every time out. And 
we all do it, and I, I'm guilty of it a lot. I mean, I know my picks this year were not great, and most of that was defending champions not winning again. Well, right. that happens all the time. But we all just expect that they've done it before. They're just going to keep going, even though we watch this happen over and over again, especially in the case of injuries. You just never know how that's going to play out. I thought uh, Marulis did a really nice job in her post-match interview of kind of understand, you know, explaining how she's, you know, she understands she's a role model and she understands that people are going to look at her. And so she has to be really careful about how she handles a concussion because people are going to look at her to kind of set the tone. And well, if she came back too quick, they might try to come back too quick. So she feels all of that responsibility in addition to trying to prepare to win a world championship. And that was, I thought she did a great job with it. Obviously, that's an emotional situation. And, of course, we all hope she gets back to 100%. But you're absolutely right. She's had a tremendous career no matter what. And if she never wins again, if she never sets foot on the mat again, you know, she's still a legend. Absolutely. And, you know, I think to go to the wrestling side of it, it is so difficult to practice and knowing, like, hey, I can't touch – you can't touch my head even though it's the right thing to do, what's going to happen the first time that happens in a match? Because you can't, hey, Alex, I know we're wrestling in the world, but if you could just not touch my head for six minutes, that'd be awesome. <laughs> you know, like, you know that's not going to happen. And just, the, when you rewatch the match, knowing that, it's a lot of things make sense now. Right. So, anyway, I, I give her credit for wrestling and doing what she did and she gave an explanation. She did not make an excuse. Right. And those are very different things. Yes, absolutely. That's an, that's an important point. Um, you know, she took full, she fully understands where she's at right now. And of course she wanted to win, but um, you know, like you said, she'll be, we'll see her again, I'm sure going forward. Um, and we'll see if she can come back and be completely healthy and back on the mat. Uh Last point I wanted to make women's freestyle, you know, they've been very consistent third in the world again, as a team. Um, I I don't know how many years in a row this is now that they've placed in the top three, but they do a great job. They always have, you know, title contenders, medalists, and it seems to be getting more and more depth. So uh, that's testament to our women's program overall, a lot of different coaches um, producing good women's uh, wrestlers and the WCWA as well. Uh, just a lot of time and effort for a lot of people goes into that to for that kind of consistency. Uh, for sure. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, it's definitely something that, that you know, I got a chance to uh, interview Coach Steiner when I was at the Future Olympian camp, and he had talked about the influx of money they had received, the generous family donation, and how that allows them to do things. And I always joke, in, I mean, in my life, I'm a financial advisor, and I always tell people, the only people that say money doesn't matter have money. So, I mean, money matters. Money definitely matters. And so to have those things, money just having money alleviates a lot of stress in different parts of your life. So, you know, shout out to those people that did that. And, yeah, the team has done an unbelievable job of building a program and being consistent. And that's critical to um, – the long-term success for sure moving over to greco which was the which is wrapping up the tournament and i hope all of you took a, a chance to watch some of that greco especially the metal rounds 
the Hungarians, the fans were incredible. Uh, they loved their Greco. Uh, they had some success and they were loud. It was a different Greco atmosphere than we usually see in the United States. So it's really cool to see and kind of a reminder that there's a lot of different wrestling fans around the world that like all kinds of different things. Um, our team struggled a little bit. Uh, only medalist was Adam Kuhn, who reached the finals with four straight falls before losing to Sergei Semenov of Russia, uh, first Greco finalist for at the senior level since 2009 for Team USA, and Kuhn gets the silver medal. But outside of that, uh, it wasn't very, a good tournament for us. We, uh, I think there were three wins outside of Adam Kuhn. Nobody else wrestled for a medal. Um, and then, you know, well, let's start with Adam Kuhn before we go into the rest of it. You know, <laughs> the guy has been unbelievable this year. Second in NCAAs to Kyle Snyder, makes the finals both freestyle and Greco world team trials, beats Robbie Smith, who's been as high as fifth in the world to make the Greco team, loses to Nick Gwizdowski, who ended up with a bronze medal at the world championships in freestyle. Uh, you know, it, it, watching him make that run, it was very surprising. But at the time, like, should we su be surprised by anything Adam Kuhn does at this point? Well, he never won an NCAA title, right? And so you, you, we don't necessarily – I'm not saying we don't give him the, the respect or credit he deserves. I mean, he was undefeated as a true freshman and then, you know, had a terrible Big Tens for him and then lost in the blood round. And then he's lost, to, you know, guys that will end up – I mean, Nick Wazdowski's already a multiple-time world medalist and, and then Snyder, and he actually beat Snyder. So, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. That guy's not even training Greco full-time. Like, and I guarantee if you hooked him up to a lie detector, if he had beaten Gwiz and had to pick one team, he would have wrestled freestyle. I mean, because I wrestled a lot of Greco. One of the hard things about wrestling Greco is finding other guys to practice Greco with that are nearly as good as the guys you're going to wrestle overseas. In, you know, in the United States, it's a lot easier to do that in freestyle. So... Yeah, thank God he did that because otherwise the tournament was a complete disaster for us as a country, right? Right. Uh, yeah, moving on to the rest of it, I mean, three wins, I think, for everybody else. Um, afterwards, Jesse Bielka in particular had some complaints about the uh, preparations and going over to Europe very early, um, practicing with other countries and focusing on things that. Uh, Maybe he didn't agree with uh, specifically conditioning and strength work instead of more technique. You know, it's we've heard this before disagreement in the ranks, you know, from last year. I know Lindland called a couple of guys out after the under 23s and basically just kind of said, you know, this culture has, has to get better. And, you know, that's his job at, as the Greco team coach is to build that culture. I understand that's hard to do sometimes, but I, when you're losing like this, all, all the problems and all the dissension are going to come to the surface. Uh, what'd you make of it, David? I think, I mean, I was a coach for a long time and I coached a lot of guys that drove me crazy and you never talk about them. I mean, you do, it's in a small group. It's with people that you trust. It's not the media. It is the quickest way to lose the locker room. You know, it doesn't matter even if somebody says something bad about you. You're the coach. You're the adult. You take the high road. And 
putting people's dirty laundry out there on Front Street is not what you do, period. Um, I understand they don't get to pick the team. You know, the guys earn their spots on the team. But you make the best of it. You play the guys' strengths. You know, these are not high school kids or even college kids, you know, for the most part. I mean, Kamal's young. You know, Hancock's young. You know, but a guy like Bilkey, if he's like, I want to work on, like he said, he goes, I want to know what to do. And this guy pushes my elbows. And, well, the guy's, you know, really good and doesn't know that answer. Maybe we should get him that answer. Um, I'm not sure. Like, like you look at men's freestyle, and I think we're optimistic. You look at women's, you know, and it's obviously freestyle, you're optimistic. Like, I'm not... I'm not optimistic about Greco, and it's not because of the results, although that would be reason enough. It's, I don't think that's what you do. In fact, I know that's not what you do. I mean, my dad is probably the guy I respect the most in the world. People would drive him crazy, and he's like, there are guys. And I think you can tell a lot about a person as a coach, and I, I, I point this out to people, and they laugh. If, if person X is the coach, and when the guys are winning, he says, we and then when the guys are losing, they say they. That's not a good coach as a person. It's the opposite. Like when you win, Alex, and you wrestle for me, I'm like, Alex wrestled great. And when Alex is the only one that made the finals, I go, we have to get better as a team. Not they have to get better. Like It's a very subtle thing, but it says a lot about how a guy approaches it. And I think it has to get better. Like that part has to get better because – Kids, guys, not just, you know, guys, but it's Greco, so it's just guys right now. They pick up on that, and it's not positive. It's not good energy at all. Yeah, I thought you made a good point. Um, I mean, we're talking about how hard it is to find Greco partners in the U.S. It's even more important to keep together as a cohesive unit here because because of that. I mean, you can go to northern Michigan – you can go to Legends of Gold in South Dakota, but even that, you know, you're rapidly spreading out what is a small talent base, small Greco specialist type base, um, really quickly when you're um, not all on the same page. And you know, you're not always going to be. So I understand that, but there's got to be as much cohesion as possible. Um, I know they talk about needing more looks in Europe and all that stuff, but if you don't have your guys together here, that becomes even more important. And I know there's not a lot of funding out there for Greco. So it's kind of, it gets slippery real quick. And I've liked Lindland's messaging overall in that, you know, he kind of sells Greco as the dark horse path. You know, they, they walk to the beat of their own drummer and and we're going to do our own thing and kind of be outlaws. And I think that's a good sales pitch, but if you can't keep those outlaws together, I, I don't know how you win. I mean, Greco, you're always going to be fighting an uphill battle anyway. We've seen a lot of age group success that's been encouraging, but now we've got to translate it to the senior level. And the one guy that, you know, did well and got a medal isn't really in that part of the program. So it's yeah, definitely discouraging result. I don't know where it goes from here. You can sell a lot of things a lot of ways and then the results come out and then it you see what it is. Like, you know, I can say, hey, everybody on my team here at Merrimack these years ago, we all love each other. And then you see people fighting, you're like, maybe that's not the case. You know, so, you know, one of my favorite sayings is your actions speak so loud, I can't hear the words coming out of your mouth. And that's what's, that's the problem. Like, 
it, it's got to get, you know, I mean, you know, maybe it's, you know, almost like somebody literally like with a problem, like sometimes you have to hit rock bottom to, to get up. Well, you know, we've hit it. We got a freestyle guy that took second in Greco and wouldn't really be on the team if he had a choice. So, and that was basically it. Like it's, it's, we need to reevaluate stuff and, you know, everybody's saying trust the process. Well, you know, there's like, everybody says trust the process and not everybody, everybody's process, you know, works. Yeah. So it's got to get better. Yep. And, you know, anytime you have a tournament like that, you hope, hopefully learn from it and do better. Um, it is a difficult formula to perfect because we really do only get to measure once a year. I mean, I know there are other tournaments and there are other ways to measure the success, but it doesn't matter how much you win in the other tournaments. If you fail at the world championships, nobody thinks you're progressing. Um, so that's, it's a harsh measure, but everybody knows that's what the deal is. Uh, we'll see what happens from here. Uh, overall team USA won 12 medals at the world championships, which is a record for team USA, um, seven in men's freestyle, four in women's freestyle and one in Greco. So overall pretty good. Um, just as usual, trying to figure out the Greco thing. Yeah. All right. Well, it is college wrestling season. We talked about that. It's going on. Um, we've been teasing for a while as we've made all our picks and gone through, um, each of the weight classes that we'll do over unders here before the season starts. We didn't quite get that done, but plenty of time left before March. So today we're going to go through the top 20 teams from last year's NCAA tournament, um, set over unders and talk about each team, whether we think they're going over that number or under uh, a little competition between David and I. Uh, so we'll start with the number 20 team from last year's standings, North Carolina. Uh, let me get to their data. All right. North Carolina last year scored 27 points um, in the preseason track wrestling rankings, which include advancement and placement points. They do not include bonus. They have 19. David, what is my over-under for the Tar Heels? 24. 24. Okay. I thought they projected to about 21 points, so I'm going to go under. Um, it's a really interesting team. They're going to have – they're going to make their way on – you know, round of 12, round of 16, backside type matches. I don't think they have guys that are going to get to uh, the semifinals, really. Um, Kennedy Monday and Chip Ness and Austin O'Connor could all, you know, be there for All-American round, but I think they're all going to have tough matches. Uh, very interested to see how Gary Wayne Harding does uh, transferring from Oklahoma State. Uh, they have a lot of interesting guys. They just – they don't have anybody that jumps out at you that's going to score a lot of points. Um We'll see. They're, they're going to get. They're going to need to get two or three of those guys on the stand to get 24. So I'm just going to go under on them. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think that's a good. You know, I think they score somewhere. Be, you know, like between 20 and 25, something like that. So right. yeah, for sure. Moving up to Wyoming, who finished in a tie for 17th. Uh, they had 27 and a half points last year. They lose Bryce Meredith, so their preseason number is only nine and a half. I set their over under this year at 15. Yeah, I have their number at 10. And they only have one All-American coming back, and that's Bridges, and that's at a weight that's absolutely loaded. And so he could go round of 12 and really not have, you know, really done anything bad. Even if he goes, 
and takes eighth again, that's five and a half points without bonus. I, I don't see them picking up 10 extra points in, in bonus or advancement or anything else. I just, I don't see anybody else making the podium for them this year. They have a good young team. You know, I talked to Ethan Kyle and, and Mark the other day and, you know, they're, they're optimistic, but they also know they're in a rebuild mode, you know? Right. Yeah. It's really on bridges has to score a lot of points and then they have to get two or three other guys to score 15 might've been a little optimistic, but at the same time, I really like where bridges is and branch always brings those guys that'll fight and score you a point or two on the back. So uh, we'll see, but you're right. They are definitely in rebuild mode. Uh, Another team that scored 27 and a half points last year, Wisconsin, who we saw in action last night. Uh, Their preseason number was 21 in the track wrestling rankings. David, what's my over under? Set it at 23. Okay. I thought it was going to be 24, so I guess I'm going over, although obviously it's going to be very close. Um, You know, Evan Wick is the point scorer here. Um, He's the one you're looking for to score a lot of bonus, to get in the top four. I think he can do that. Um, Obviously, if he pushes his way up into the finals, um, suddenly he's scoring a lot more points, and I feel a lot better about the over uh, but they've got a lot of other guys. You know, Connor Brown got a pin last night. Uh, he's really solid. Ryan Christensen could score some points. Uh, be interested to see how Xander Wick does this year now that he's back. Cole Martin's solid. You know, they've got a lot of solid guys. They need one or two of those guys to jump up and be All-Americans to help Evan Wick. Uh, so I'll go over, uh, although it will be close. Well, whenever – I mean, I'm looking through this, and the most any of us, you and I were, were – 10 points apart on one and, you know, mostly within five points on a lot of these. So it's, and it's usually pretty much comes down to, does a guy get a pin? You know, like Nebraska had a lot of walkover points last year on the backside. Does somebody win or lose in that round of 12? So a lot of these are not, you know, I mean, I could win all 20 of these and not be smarter. Just, you know, it means a lot of coin flips went my way or vice versa. We're going to, we're going to have to work on your, uh, podcast bravado david um <laughs> hey i've been here for all 104 episodes that's I, my bravado i know you, you should be, i mean at this point you should just this is my opinion and it's right gosh dang it <laughs> all right we'll see i think the fact that i've been you know i've made it this long for people that know me is, is pretty stunning yeah <laughs> that's a good thing that speaks to you speaks to something i'm not sure what it's my mature my slow slow maturity process <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. So the next team up is the other team to score 27 and a half points last year, Minnesota. Uh, their preseason number is 21. I think we all see that going way up as the year goes along. Uh, David, how high is this over under going to be? I think you set this one, don't you? You're right. I set this one. Boy, bad podcasting by me. I set it at 55. So, first of all, I think Minnesota and Oklahoma State are the two with, you know, the biggest climbs, right? Right. Like, we're, you know, from, so Minnesota's interesting because they got Sean Russell, they got Lee Zach, they got McKee, they got Tommy Thorne, they got Steve Blyze, they, you know, Jake Aller. And then, you know, the biggest thing here is they've got Gable. And Gable, we have ranked at 21st, and we, you know, we talked about that when we did that, but then we both picked him to win it. So 
picking, that's the difference between ranking and picking. Right. So if you have him at 20, plus probably at least a couple bonus, that's 22. Um, I have the number at 58. I think they, you know, I think a McKee can break through. Lezak's placed second and fourth. I think he can be top five. And when he wins, he generally wins by a pretty big margin. I think Sean Russell can sneak on the top eight. You know, and I think they've got other guys that are helpers that can score points. But I don't – I mean, I have it at 58, so I'm going over 55, but I think 55 is a really good number. Yeah, I mean, I know when we did our picks, I, I think I picked Minnesota guys to be the sleeper, possibly All-American guys at several weights. So, obviously, I'm high on the Gophers. I mean, your point about Stevenson is dead on. They're another team, though, that's going to have a lot of guys round to 12, quarterfinal types – if they get those wins, they're going to score a lot of points. If they don't, they'll struggle to hit that 55 number. But they have a lot of potential because there's not a lot of weights where you don't see them having at least a chance. Um, you know, with Devin Skaska transferring in and Jake Aller coming off red shirt, it, it's going to be a very balanced lineup up there. I got a Brandon Crone that's, you know, is good on top. And even if he doesn't place, could go two and two with a pin and a major, you know, things like that. Right. Moving up to number 16, Lockhaven finished with 35 points, largely thanks to Ronnie Perry's run to the finals. Um, he was a senior, so he's gone. Uh, their preseason number is 18 and a half. Uh, David, I am sure you're setting this one. Where, where's my number? I got the far Fighting Marstellers at 23. <laughs> the Fighting Marstellers. Yeah, you know, you look at this, and he's really their bell cow here. He's, you know, probably a top four guy. I know they'll think he can crack the finals. He's really good, but I don't see another All-American here. You'd probably list Thomas Haynes as the guy that could get there. Uh, very much could, but he's in a big group of guys that are fighting for those last couple of podium spots, I think, at heavyweight. So that's a big ask. And you know, Kyle Shoup and Corey Hazel and Alex Clucker and all those guys, they're, they're all probably going to be at the national tournament. I just don't know if they can score very many points. And with 23, that's just a little high for me. So I'm going to go under. I think I had it at 20. It's, it's really Thomas Haynes. It really is. It's it, Well, one more of those guys. I mean, we think it's going to be Haynes. I mean, I think yeah. he's, one, I mean, he's ranked nine. Right. You have him finishing nine. Yeah. I, rank, I, I guessed is if he finished eight. Right. That's really the difference. Well, yeah. you, you have him ranked nine, and that's – ahead of Stevenson for right now. So it's effectively 10 and, you know, yeah. so. Sure. But 9 through 12 are all the same. They're losing right. 5 through 8. Right. Yeah. For sure. So. Okay, moving up to number 15, Lehigh, uh, who scored 36.5 points last year. Their preseason number is 42. I set this over under at 45. Yeah, I have it at 54. They have – Ten, to argue 45, they have a bunch of guys that are probably going to be in the round of 16 and round of 12. They also have all 10 guys ranked in the top 25. And it also feels like they can't keep underperforming at the Nationals. Like, they got to figure it out. Um, you know, and they've got some guys. I mean, they got a Scotty Parker who's placed and a couple other guys that have meddled. But they just have a ton of guys, and it's just a wave of dudes that can score. So I'm not sure they'll hit my number at 54. But, I mean, we have them preseason at 42. Let's just say they hit 42. They got 10 guys going, and we need two pins out of those guys to get over 46. I mean, I got to take that number, right? Yeah, I think – and this might be one of the hardest teams to 
peg a number because of all their guys that are going to be qualifiers. And then, you know, you talk about those guys that go one and two, two and two, well, you don't score a lot of points unless you get bonus and that it's not random, but it's not as predictable as you would expect it to be. I mean, you look at guys well, last year, especially on the back. It's going to get more predictable, though, because now they're seeding everybody. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I just mean because, you know, you mentioned the injury defaults and you get a random guy on the back oh, sure. a little yeah. bit injured but doesn't default, but maybe you run it up on him. Weird things happen at the national tournament. So, yeah, I mean, it, we should see the correct matchups this year more than ever, but at the same time, it's hard to tell, you know, is this guy going to, I mean, Gordon Wolf, you know, he's going to score a ton of points, but is he going to give up a ton of points? Who knows? Uh, so very tough call, but I, I think you're probably right with the over. Uh, I might've set that one a little too low. You got to let me win one. <laughs> <laughs> got to let you win one. That's not how I go, but you know, that's fine. So moving up to Oklahoma state who finished in a tie for 13th with 37 and a half points, their preseason number is 73 and a half. Um, obviously just a reflection of how bad of an NCAA tournament they had and what they've got coming back. They've got Dayton Fix coming off redshirt. Um, David, what is my over-under for the Cowboys? Okay, so I set this number a 108, but that was based on Joe Smith at 65, Chandler Rogers 74, Jacoby Smith 84, and I don't think that's happening. I think Chandler's going to go 65, Jacoby's going to go 74, and Joe's going to go 84, not Russell. So if I have to stick with my original number, it's 108. If not, I would probably take 10 points off of it and put it at 98. You think Joe will not wrestle at 184? That's an interesting thought. Well, we had we had technical difficulties on Tuesday. That's why we're doing this Friday. But I mean, I, I got new info. So am I allowed to change my number or not? Yeah, I'll let you change it. That's fine. All right, I'm going to change it to 98. 98. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the – you got good intel. I saw some message board fodder that Smith might be going 84. Uh, you know, if it's 98, I'm going over. If it was 108, I was going under. I honestly don't think Joe to 184 makes a huge difference because somebody was going to have to go up, and I actually kind of like Chandler at 65, Jacoby at 74, and Smith, you know, going up multiple weights more than – displacing two and making Joe cut to 165 based on, you know, some of the things we've heard about how big he is. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And of course, Dakota gear is still there at 184. He's kind of an X factor in all of this stuff. Um, they've got a ton of guys that could all American, you know, obviously fix is the guy people point to as the finalist possibility, but Preston Weigel has finalist potential. Um, we'll see tonight with Cade Brock against Joey McKenna how he stacks up at 141. It's going to be really interesting, um, but they've got a lot of potential. So if you're revising to 98, I'm going over. Um, yeah, I think I'm definitely going over. I, I think they can score a hundred points, although I think I bet against them to do it earlier for some reason. Well, they can make the finals. With, I mean, they should all American with pitch, with fix, with Cade, with Boo, with Chandler, with Jacoby, with Weigel and with uh, Derek White. That's eight All-Americans. Right. And they might all average out to about a fifth or sixth place finish, you know, which is, you know, 80 to 90 points. So I think if that's the case, then, you know, the other, I think, I think the hundred's pretty close. Yeah. So. 
I, I think it is a fair bet. Like I said, I think I waffled on that because I think I bet against him in effect earlier in the year when we were betting on something. So it'll be close. Uh, it's funny because the team they tied last year, Illinois, 37 and a half points, um, their preseason number is 25 and a half as they begin the post IMAR era, uh, very different situation than Oklahoma State. Uh, I set their over under at 28. I have them at 33, so I have to go over. I mean, I think this is totally dependent on Emory Parker and, and Mikey Carr, right? Like if, if Emory Parker makes the finals, that's 16 plus probably gets any scores points on top. So maybe two majors, that's 18. And then Mikey Carr, if he can place, you know, say make a jump and, you know, place even sixth, you know, that's nine. And so you're at 25 with placing and, you know, say he gets, you know, a pin, you know, 27, 29. I think Travis Piotrowski and Joey Gunther and the rest of that crew can get to 33. I think maybe 33 is a little optimistic. I think if I, you know, um, but I think I think they can get to over 28. I guess that's all that really matters right now. True. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It really comes down to Emory Parker. I mean, Mikey Carr is tough, uh, but I don't think he's going to climb into the top four. So it really comes down to can Parker make the finals and score that points. You're right. They've got a few other guys. Piotrowski and Gunther and Duncan are all solid. They're all going to score points. But can they get to become an All-American? That's a harder ask. So, okay. David going over 28. Um, yeah, let's, we'll follow that. South Dakota State finished 12th. Uh, they scored 42 points last year. Their preseason number is only 22. Uh, they lost all their All-Americans except for Seth Gross. Uh, what is my over-under here? I said 28. 28. I went under, and I did not feel good about it. Um, I projected them out as 27, so obviously I think they're going to get very close. Um, Seth Gross could be good for another 25 or 26 points, but basically what it came down to for me is the field at 133 is really good. So Gross winning a title again is not guaranteed, and even if he does, he's going to have tough matches in the quarters and semis, so bonus may be limited a little more. And then where are the rest of the points coming from? I mean. You know, you've got guys, Henry Pullmeyer and Martin Mueller, they're solid. Got a few other guys that they're, that they like, but there's not a lot of proven um, national level talent there. So it's going to be hard to get those other points. I'm going to go under. And if Seth Gross scores 30 points, I'll just laugh and tip my cap. I think it's going 30 points, dude. Like, I mean, even if he wins the tournament, the most he's going is 24. But I think it comes down to does he win the tournament? Because if he wins the tournament, he probably scores 24. If he doesn't, makes the finals, he scores 20. If he takes third, 13 and a half, he could pin two guys in the back and actually score, you know, 21. So if you kind of take the average and go, he's around 21, it's can they score six or seven more? Yes. So. I mean, I, if he's at, if he scores 21, I feel pretty good about my bet. Now, maybe somebody emerges and stakes takes a huge leap that I didn't see coming that could happen. But um, if he scores 21, I feel pretty good. All right. I, I'm happy you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Moving up to Rutgers at number finished 11th last year with 42 and a half points. Their preseason number is 34 and a half. I set this over under, and this was the one I think we were farthest apart on. I set the over under at 42. I feel really comfortable. If I, if we're doing this as confidence picks, 
this, they're going to score more than 42 because we both have Ashnault winning and we both have Suriano in the finals and that's 36 points without bonus. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. The rest of the guys are going to score seven points. Right. And, and, and them on bonus. Yeah. I, I think it really comes down to risk um, with Ashnault. I think that's why I was probably a little low on this one because yeah, I did pick him to win and I think he's very capable of that. We just don't know. So from a gambling standpoint, there's some risk involved there, even though we both think he's going to do well. Uh, you know, obviously he's never made the finals and he's coming off in a year where he was injured for the whole thing. We'll see what he is. If he is as good as we think he is, then yeah, I think you're in great shape. Um, you know, Suriano looks like he's going to go 33. So he's a, a threat to win it. Um, he's probably a threat to make the finals either weight. Um, we'll be interested to see, but you know, uh, I think I'm a little low just because of the Ashnault risk. Well, I think Suriano could win it too. Like they could flip flop. Suriano could take first, and Ashnault could take third or fourth, and then a Gravina places and some other stuff. So we definitely got the program going in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Um, they still don't. They haven't had an individual national champion, so uh, they're both looking right. to become the first one. So that's very cool. Yeah. Moving up to the top 10, Arizona State finished 10th with 43 points last year. Their preseason number is 42 and a half. Um, David, what is my over-under here? 60. 60. And I had projected it out to be 61, so I'm taking the over. It's going to be close again. <laughs> you know, the thing you love about Arizona State is you feel really confident that Zahid's going to score a bunch of points. and you know, he's not because of Mark Hall at that weight, he's not the biggest favorite in NCAA, but I feel pretty confident he's going to win a title. Um, you know, barring injury, I feel like he's going to be there at the end of the year as one of the solid favorites. So that's good. Tanner Hall is going to do better than he did last year. He had a really rough end of the year, but he's been an all American before and he can do it again. Um, Josh Shields can get on the stand. Ryan Milhoff's been an all American before they add Mason Smith from central Michigan. You know, they've got a lot of talent around, you know, Milhoff will have to fight just to have his job. Um, one of those 125s out there is going to move up to 33. It's going to be really an interesting year out there. I, I'm going over just because they've got a lot of guys that could be on the podium. So if one guy flames out, they're not going to, that's not going to kill them. Um, obviously with Anthony red shirting, you don't have that, shot in the lineup but there's always the possibility that he comes out for whatever reason so who knows um they got maruka too yeah right they got maruka they got cordell norfleet you know they got a lot of talent out yeah. there they got some dudes they got some dudes that's always good when you're looking to score 60 points you need need some dudes that's right yeah moving up to number nine nebraska scored 47 points uh their preseason number in the track wrestling rankings 56 and a half I set this over under at 70. I really like the Cornhuskers. Yeah, I have them at 61, so I'm going to go under. But it's interesting because we have them at 56 and a half without bonus. So you know, they have a couple guys that I think are ranked about as high as they can go, like Venn's is third, and I, I don't see him making the finals. Um, you know, I, I think Moisey's – I think that where they can get a lot of extra points, I think you and I agree, is Labriola. Like, I think he's done. You know, we have him ranked 12, so he's scoring two. And I think both you and I agree he's going to be an All-American. And so minimum, that's a three-and-a-half-point bump. 
I, I think they might finish closer to 70 than 61. That would be an interesting thing if we took these points and just said who ended up closer. Right. Um, but, I mean, like, if, what's the midpoint, 65 and a half? I think I probably would go, you know, I think that's probably right about the right number. Tyler Berger took third last year and got, got a truckload of bonus. And generally, you don't get those things. Year, I mean, he could take third again and still score four or five less points. Right. So I think that's part of it, too. So, But I like Nebraska a lot. They're sneaky good, and nobody's talking about them like they should be. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, they could put Berger, Vince, Moisey, Red, Isaiah White, Mikey Labriola, and even Eric Schultz all on the podium. I mean, they, they could legitimately have seven All-Americans without anybody shocking the world. So that's, yep. that's a good, solid team right there. All right, you're still going under, despite that good, solid team. All right, fair enough. Good, solid, and, and 70, scoring 69 points is not going to be anything to be ashamed of and still puts me in the win column. That's so. true, that's true. Yeah. Moving up to number eight, Virginia Tech. Uh, the Hokies scored 47.5 points last year. Uh, their preseason number is 36. David, what's my over-under here? I've got it set at 55. Okay. I think they can score 61, so I'm going over. Uh, basically, for me, it's Makai Lewis is the, is the deal. He's really good. Um, I think he's going to score a lot of points and be an All-American. Uh, they've already got Vatsky and McFadden, who are both rock solid, going to be All-Americans again. And then they've just got a ton of guys that could be uh, something. I mean, Tom Slay was in the top eight last year when he got hurt. Uh, for Bucknell right at the start of the year. So he's got he's coming back. He's got another uh, year to go. Billy Miller transferred in from Edinburgh. He's got a chance in that group that's fighting for the eighth spot at heavyweight. Um, you know, you got Ryan Blees around. you got Corbin Myers around. And then, you know, they might wrestle Mitch Moore right away, and he might be something. So this is just a really interesting group. A lot of guys on this roster that have chance to be all American if they wrestle well this year. Um, I like the over. They're Lehigh with a little more front line strength. Um, I love Makai Lewis, but I think he's more of a guy that can beat a bunch of guys seven to three, like a super young Lee Kemp version. Um, I think Tom Slay is a very good pick by you that he can score a lot more points than, you know, what, what he's what we have him at where we have him ranked so yeah i mean i can see it for sure and we're not that far apart right i mean six points you know as one guy winning in the semis versus you know making it to the semis versus losing in the quarters and then losing in the round of 12. right yeah six points in the national tournament is not a lot yep moving up to cornell at seventh scored 48 points last year their preseason number is 41 and a half i had this over under at 58. you're way off because i have a 57. <laughs> so, terrible by you yeah terrible job by horrible, horrible prognostication i think it's a coin flip so just to stay true to my picks i'm going to stay under but i mean i think you know, like if they had Darmstead, you know, if I had another 10 points to this, um, 141 is really good. But if Yanni can win the tournament with one leg, I think he's the favorite with two legs, you know, especially with no Ohio and no Meredith. Right. And there's a lot of other good guys there, but I just, you know, he's, he's really good. You know, I don't know where Rougeau fits in. They still have a Freddie Stroker. Womack's a guy that's placed a couple years ago. They've got Max Dean. They've got, you know, Honus. I mean, they've, they've got just 
you know, they've got a lot of depth, Jazz Tucker. So, I mean, we agree. It's it's one point. It's one major. It's one ten. I mean, we basically look at these guys the same way. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Moving up to Missouri, who finished sixth last year with 61.5 points. Their preseason number was 47. Uh, what's the over-under, David? 58. Okay, well, this is the inverse of Cornell because I had Missouri at 57, so terrible job by you this time. Um, I am going to go under, uh, but obviously with the point, I don't feel super confident about that. Uh, Interesting Missouri year, especially I think I would really not feel good about this pick if Elam comes out a red shirt at some point. Um, you know, I think he's going to start the year in red shirt with Austin Myers. There, but the rumor is he's wrestling tomorrow. Tomorrow. Wow. Okay. Well, I may be in trouble early, but I'm I'm going to take the under officially. But man, that would be that's a game changer uh, because him and Ernesti both are really good. They have a chance to be all Americans, and that would really skew the math because you know Ironman, Leith, and Lewis. That's a solid core. They're going to score you their points. I don't see them dropping very far. Um, but it's really that Ernesty, Connor Flynn, Elam, if he's not redshirting type, that's going to push them over the top or not with a with a number like 58. So I'll take under and hope it's Austin Myers tomorrow. But you're closer than I am, so you're probably right. I, I'm glad you realized that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better at talking, John. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> so we'll move up to the top five, and they actually tied for fourth. North Carolina State tied for fourth with 80 points last year. Uh, they lost a fair amount uh, with Kevin Jack and Michael McVello and a few others. So their preseason number is only 43. I set the over-under at 53. Yeah, I am at 58, and so I'm going over. But I think this really teeters a lot on um, Tariq Wilson' ability to score a lot of points again. Uh, Nick Lehman getting on the victory stand and Sean Foz, you know, going better than one and two. So, I mean, if you, if, if you said, well, Foz is going to go one and two or two and two again, Lehman's going to finish round of 12 and Tariq Wilson's going to finish fifth or sixth without all that bonus at a really good weight class, that wouldn't be shocking, but it would make my pick wrong. Right. So, yeah. But I think they can do those things. And they, and they are another team with a ton of depth with guys just keep wrestling. I do think Hayden Heidler probably makes the finals again and probably gets scores a little more bonus. I think you, you kind of start with 18 to 19 points there, um, which is obviously a, a great building block. Yeah, and I mean, it's unfortunate. Uh, we're supposed to see Tariq Wilson and Seth Gross tonight in the All-Star Classic. That's not going to happen um, now. That match got canceled late. But, yeah, I think you're right. It, it hinges on Tariq Wilson. If, if he's the Tariq Wilson that we saw last year in Cleveland – um, then that number's probably low and you're probably in great shape. Um, but there's a lot of, like I said, I think you did a good job outlining. And, you know, Justin Oliver's there now too. He's got a shot at being an All-American. There's, they have a lot of chances to score points. So that's always right. you could feel good about. For sure. Moving up to the other team that tied for fourth last year, Michigan. They scored 80 points. Uh, their preseason number is 47.5. David, what is my over-under here? I got him at 64. Okay. I had him projected out at 68, so I am going over. Um, obviously, you feel good with Stevon Michich and Miles Amin. Those guys have been rock solid. Um, we know what Alec Pantaleo is. Uh, wrestled a pretty good match against Knopf last year in the duel, so uh, I think he could do better uh, than he did last year. And then the big thing for them is 
Logan Massa getting back to being a top type of guy um, that we all expected him to be, obviously, with the injuries last year. You know, he tried to fight through it, but really wasn't the Logan Massa we've seen before. Um, if he's back healthy, he's going to score a lot more points than where he's ranked, and that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, maybe Drew Matten does something at 125. He's going to be right there. Uh, maybe they pull Mason Parrish out of red shirt. Who knows what's going to happen with that. But really what I'm betting on is Massa to be back in the mix and that core of Michich, Amin, Pantaleo, and Massa to score me 60-something points. Because uh, that's absolutely within their possibility. So I'll go over. Who who places higher, Makai Lewis or Logan Massa? Uh, I mean, I'm betting Massa. If he's healthy, Massa is as good as anybody in that weight. Yep. I mean, it, it's interesting, right? So Yeah, I mean, I it, mean it's all about – I mean, here's the thing, though. When I say yep and I have that weird tone in my voice, like I'm not picking against Vincenzo Joseph at the national tournament. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last year I thought it was Joseph Massa and somebody else that I'm forget and Imar, and it was that that was the three guys. And then of course yeah. as the year went on, you know, there were other guys that showed themselves at that weight, but that was the three. And I think that's you know obviously Imar is gone, but I think Massa's right there um, if he's healthy and if he's right. We, obviously, he wasn't at the end of last year. That does weird things to guys, so who knows? And I think the world of Mikhail Lewis, I think he's got a lot of potential, but I'm not ready to put him at that level yet. It would be interesting if we looked at our math. I guarantee you we have over 80 projected All-Americans, and that's, you know, that's the problem, right? Yeah, well, I mean, so. that's always the case. You know, I think if you really looked at this because of injuries and other things, you'd probably make hay taking the under every time. But what fun is that? That's no fun. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the NFL, you're rooting for punts and penalties. Yeah. yeah I know it. Sure. No way. Yeah. All right. Top three. Top three. Iowa scored 97 points last year. Their preseason number is 76 and a half. I'm setting their over under at 104. I got them at 99, so I'm going under. I think they have like the biggest lock in the tournament, maybe. Um, and Spencer Lee, you know, probably good for 25 points, you know, plus or minus one or two. You know, DeSanto's around a 12 guy, so you're not really sure. Uh, Max Murin or Vince Turk, probably around a 12 or 16 guy, but they could punch through. Lugo's a guy that, you know, I think we both think is going to place. Kemmer, um, Marinelli, I think we, he's gonna, we think is going to place. Kemmer, we think is going to be fine, but probably not in that super elite group. You know, Cash Wilkie's been in the round of 12 twice. Can he punch through? Uh, Jacob Warner is probably the biggest, highest ceiling, lowest basement guy. And then Stoll, I think, is ranked one. But, I mean, we don't think he's going to win. So, you know, and he's had close matches with Tanner Hall, and he's had close matches with Derek White. It's not like, you know, Gable Stevenson, you know, like, well, if he beats Gable, he's going to beat everybody else. So, I am a 99. I mean, it's 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 two of those coin flips, like we talked about. But I feel pretty comfortable they're going to be under 104. Just and they scored a truckload of bonus last year, and that's not really been their mo. Right. Um. So I'm not sure that happens again. Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of see the Iowa's bonus points on the upward swing. Now I don't know if they'll get to 30 something like they had last year, but you know, you're going to get a bunch from Lee. Um, Stoll was pinning people left and right at the national tournament last year, and he can do that when he's healthy. 
Uh, Kemmerer likes to score a lot of points. Warner's got good offense. DeSanto, we know, scores a lot of points. You know, they've got a lot of guys that could, but you're right. I think there's the I think they might have the biggest range of possibilities because outside of Lee, you've got guys that have a lot of flexibility. I mean, I could see Sam Stoll winning the whole thing. I could see him, you know, he's been hurt so many times. That's not, you know. I think you safely think that Kemmer is going to place four, five, or six. Marinelli is going to place four, five, or six. And Stoll is going to place three, four, five, or six. You know, I mean, on and you, you maybe you're wrong, but you're wrong in both directions. Like one guy takes second, one guy takes eighth, and you end up, you know, at both fifths, and it's like you're right. Yeah. So, you know, I think you have those three guys, and that you know they take fifth, um, twenty sixteen thirteen ten. That's ten points, ten twenty thirty plus bonus. Those guys are probably good for forty, and then you know Spencer's worth twenty five or sixty five. So it's really whether the rest of those guys can chase down thirty five points or not. Yeah. Well, with with the confirmation that Suriano's going up to 33, and it looks like, I mean, I don't know for sure what fix is going, but it seems likely he's going 33. I, I take the over on Spencer Lee scoring 25 too. He might just decimate the whole field. Um, so that's interesting. Just a note. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I and uh, I, I have heard the same thing about both those guys you spoke about. Yeah. So moving up to the second place team from last year, Ohio State, that scored 133 and a half points, the highest score ever for a team that did not win the championship. Um, their preseason number is 87 after they lost that fantastic senior class. Uh, David, what's my over under for the Buckeyes? It feels weird, but I only have them at 89. Yeah, I had them at 95, so I'm going over. Um, they're another team, kind of like Missouri, in that they have their core and then i mean obviously it's a little bit bigger than missouri's core you've got miles martin who's the favorite right now at 84 um, you've got joey mckenna and micah jordan and colin moore who are all you know finalist threats at the very least and then you know you have all-american like luke fletcher sitting out there and Keyshawn hayes is there but outside of that top you know that big four that are all finalist threats He's trying to figure out where they're, they're going to get the rest of those points. I mean, you figure Pletcher and Hayes will get to be an All-American, but can a guy like Sean Campbell do it now that he moved up a weight? Can Caleb Romero come in? Are they going to throw Heinzelman out there at 25, and is he going to be big enough? You know, those are all questions. I think Ohio State is not going to gain a lot from their preseason point total, but I don't think they're going to lose much either. So they really only need one guy to punch through. I really like Colin Moore this year um, to be a finalist type and to be more of what we expected to see last year with that high pace again. I think he'll have it figured out. And then, you know, if Micah Jordan and Joey McKenna both make the finals, I'm in really good shape. So I'll take the over. Yeah. They're ranked about near their ceilings. They feel like Oklahoma State a couple of years ago right. when Penn State walked them down. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, if they put four guys in the finals, you wouldn't be shocked. But you also wouldn't be shocked if those four guys won the finals. Maybe one of them wins it, Pletcher places fifth or sixth, and everybody else DNPs. Yeah, and that's that's the risk, uh, obviously. But I, I think they're going over. I think they've earned the right, and, and they've they've performed at nationals several years now. Yeah. Um, you know, they they do they do it right up there. So. All right, sir. Penn State. Penn State, the number one team, scored 141.5 points last year. Uh, their preseason number is 114.5, uh, which has them way out in front of the pack. 
I'm setting there over under at, and it, it feels ridiculous to even say this, but 140. Well, then I'm really ridiculous because I had him at 143. <laughs> so I'm going to go over. I think anybody who's met the both of us, both of us would agree I'm the more ridiculous person. <laughs> so probably is, is dead on. Um, you're a trivia guy. Maybe if you know this or find out, has any team won the Nationals with the exact same team score back-to-back? I don't believe so. I've looked through the team scores a bunch for different things, and I don't ever recall seeing that, but I will check into it. So, I mean, I think if we split the difference, they're 141 and a half. Right. So, if you if you kind of blow through this, I think, you know, Nolf and Nickel feel like huge favorites. Vincenzo's the guy until you say differently. Mark Hall feels like he's like the most likely guy to take second second at worst at any guy in the country. So that's 20, 40, 60, 76 points right there without bonus. And a few of those guys are fairly good at bonus. So, you know, I mean, you're probably, if they each get four, you know, that's 76 plus 16 or 92. And I think they'll get more than four. I think they're probably closer to 95 or 96. Now you need 50 points from the other guys. You know, Shakur Rashid we have as a top five guy. Um, Nick Nevels is a big part of this. If Nick Nevels is hurt and they wrestle Kassar, the under probably looks a lot better. And, you know, but then you have those three weights where they're young but super talented. You know, they've got Teasdale and Teske at 25, RBY at a super loaded 33, and Brady Berge at 49. And then we didn't count Nick Lee, or I didn't count Nick Lee, which is probably another 10 points. So you probably, if you say 95 for those four hammers and add Nick Lee and, and Rashid, you're at 115 points with six guys. Yeah. And you're asking those other four guys, I mean, we're saying they're going to score, you know, another 25 points, give or take. So I, I think it would just be absolute nerd heaven if they scored 141 and a half points and won it again. <laughs> yeah. If there's a place to make that bet, I will do it now. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty hilarious to see. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I say it feels silly to set it at 140 because – to say that of any team, really, at this point, a lot has to go right for you to score 140 points. But when you break it down person by person and you understand the history of Penn State since Cale Sanderson's got there, you know, they don't lay eggs at the national tournament. They perform well. Uh, so it feels like that you have to go over. And really, if a couple of their young guys at 25, 33, or 49 especially, if any of them turn into – all-American type, you know, top, especially a top four type, suddenly they're in really rarefied air. So they've got a chance to be really good. And I feel like their floor, especially with, you know, their top guys like Nolf and Joseph and Nickel and Hall, yeah, their floor is high. You know, you're, you're not going to see those guys. Their best six will be everybody else's 10. I'll take that bet if you want, if anybody wants to bet me that. That's interesting. That Well, that's a lot more interesting than who's going to win the national title because it feels like Penn State has to have a rash of injuries or something crazy to happen to have anybody else catch them. So that's an interesting yeah. one. I'll take their six. Well, I'll have to sit down and do some math, but I don't think I'm taking that bet either. <laughs> I think the interesting bet would be their five and a half. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
I mean, if, yeah. if you really like Iowa, I think they they would be the team that could do it. Uh, they could really get up there. And, you know, Oklahoma State has some potential as well. But it, I would take their five with odds. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'll have to think <laughs> about that. Um, David, we've gone an hour. Um, do you have anything else for the people this week? We ain't got to go home, but we got to get up out of here. So, no, I'm good, man. That's right. Well, we'll be back next week, hopefully record on Tuesday and release a little earlier. Um, but thanks for hanging with us and enjoy all the wrestling this weekend. We'll get back on top of it next week and talk about all the happenings on the opening weekend of college wrestling season. Hallelujah. <laughs>